Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Um, and we're going to look at something. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. I know I did, I did rush over it quickly and say that I'm traveling with Marissa, my girlfriend, but I do want to honor her and say how much I love you, appreciate you, and uh, grateful. Okay. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. Paul, it's arguably, you can, you can look at it, but scholars say it's a fair estimate to say that Paul is the one that wrote these words. And let's look at what Paul says. He says this. He says, this hope, say this hope. Come on, say it like you've had an espresso this morning. Say this hope. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul. I want to stop there for a minute and just say that I'm so glad that there is a verse in Scripture that says that there is a hope that exists that anchors my soul. Because I don't know about you, more often than not, I find my soul to be the place where I struggle the most. If my soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions, more often than not, that the, the more difficult challenges where the enemy gets me is not so much my spirit, but it's more my soul. And, and I find that I can be in church on Sunday and my spirit is worshipping and my spirit is saying, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, I love you. But just as quick as I am to sing worship to him from my spirit on Sunday, I find my soul struggles on Monday. Maybe it's just me. I know I'm on the stage and we're supposed to have it more, more together, but more often than not, we don't. But I find that on Monday, the enemy, so quickly I leave church on Sunday, the enemy can get my emotions real fast. You put me behind someone on the highway that doesn't like to indicate, and my soul, my soul can swing real quick. I have a challenging moment with my kids and my soul, my emotions, and I get so frustrated with myself because I think, how can I go from worshiping and loving God and I'm supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit and all of a sudden I'm yelling at my kids and I can't control myself and my mind's wandering, my scattered, and I don't even feel saved. I don't know, about, I don't know if this is you, but this is me. And so I get in this, this wrestle, and so what I love about Scripture, when I look at this verse, I actually stop for a moment and I say, Lord, God, I thank you that there is a place in Scripture that talks about anchoring that part of me. And Paul says this, that there is an anchor, and it's an anchor called hope. That will anchor and steady your mind, your, mil, your will, and your emotions. He explains it and goes on. And he said, it'll be an anchor for your soul, both sure and steadfast. Stable, firm, grounded, immovable, which enters the presence behind the veil. So what Paul is doing is Paul, and we know he experienced some things. Paul who was beaten, Paul who was shipwrecked, Paul who was, wrote most of 
the verses that he wrote and the scriptures that he wrote, wrote them from prison. He's speaking of this hope, but he's talking of hope and he's using a metaphor that's quite interesting and this is what I want to talk about. Paul uses this metaphor of an anchor. And when we think of anchors, we, we, we know what we think. We think, if you're like me, you think of a, a metal apparatus with a double-sided hook-shaped apparatus that, that would keep a ship steady, right? But I want you to understand, if you study the history of anchors and what Paul was actually referring to, you'll know that what Paul is referring to is an anchor that, yes, keeps the ship steady, but it looks very different. What they used to do in ancient biblical times, they would actually get a basket, and what they would do is they would get a basket and they would tie a rope to the basket, and they would fill the basket with rocks. And that would be the anchor. And so why, why I say this and why I give you this visual is this is what I want you to understand. Paul is picturing in his mind when he speaks of this type of hope. And, and this is important because what this does is this gives us a visual picture of the type of stability steadfastness and firmness that Paul is referring to that is available to us through Jesus Christ if we will ask him for it. Paul says, there's, a, there's an anchor. There's a sturdiness available to us through Jesus Christ that will steady our soul. And, 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 and as I think about this and I consider what Paul is writing, and I consider his life, and I consider the metaphor, I consider the visual that is in Paul's mind. He's talking about a basket that, that, that's full of rocks, and, and, and the way I am on visual. And so when I read scripture, I sort of jump into the story, and I start to just think, I start to think, Paul, what were you, as you're writing this, I want you to think of Paul sitting in a prison, and he writes this, and he says, there's a hope that will be an anchor for your mind and your will and your emotions. And it's going to be a hope that's going to be like a basket full of rocks. I sort of, I sort of have this question, if you like, for Paul. And I want to know from Paul, what is it that actually gives this basket the weight that anchors your soul in the way that you're talking about? This, am I making sense? Yeah. I, I want to know. I, I want to know how do you do it? This is a great question that I think we need to ask more in church and more to the Holy Spirit when we're reading scripture and not just rush over what we read, but actually ask, Lord, how do I do what you're telling me to do? Because I don't know about you, scripture's easy to read, hard to do. Do you find that? And so when I hear Paul and I see Paul write that there's this hope, there's a hope that will anchor your mind and your will and your emotions, I just want to raise my hand and say, Paul, i got a question, bro. How do I get the basket, if you like, weighty? How do I get it? Because I feel like 
as I shared earlier, my mind, my will, and my emotions are all over the place. I feel like I've got this hope, but it's not very anchored. And I feel like if I tied this anchor to my mind, my will, and my emotions, on Monday when I'm feeling like this, I'm over here. On Tuesday when I'm feeling like this, I'm over here. And you're talking about hope very differently. You're talking about hope in a way that will keep me steady and keep my mind, my will, and my emotions grounded. But that's not what I have. I have something that floats around and goes from one thing to the next. So the question that I have for Paul is real simple. What's in your basket? That's really what I want to know. I, I want to say, Paul, what, what? I, get, I get the verse and I get it, but what are you really talking about? What are you really talking about? Because I love Jesus and I love church and I love worship and I want to live right. But sometimes I feel like I'm all over the place. And I know, Paul, that you went through some stuff. And I can identify with you in that way. But I want to know what kept you hopeful while you were in a prison. That's what I want to know. And what I love about Scripture is if you ask, seek and you will what? Three people know the verse. Seek and you'll what? Seek and you'll find. Knock, he says. So what happens is if you keep reading, we actually find the answer. Because Paul says this, this hope we have as an anchor for your soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence beyond the veil. I want to do this real quickly, but I want you to understand what's happening here is what he's talking about is he now in this verse, he is now jumping to old covenant. When he's talking about the presence behind the veil, he's starting to talk about the old tabernacle. And this is where we actually get the answer to the question that we're asking, Paul. Because he says, this is where my hope is anchored. Paul says, my hope is anchored beyond the veil, beyond the gap. My, my hope is anchored in something that's beyond the veil. And if you know Old Testament, if you don't, I'll give you a real quick lesson. Beyond the veil, there is this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, there are three things. And this is what I want to show you today. I want to give you three points to write down and as in Scripture, and this will help you. It's not fancy. It's not, there's nothing, it's basic, but I'm telling you, this will help strengthen and give you stability in times of trouble. The three things that we find in the Ark of the Covenant, and this is what I want you to get. The first thing that we find in the Ark of the Covenant is Aaron's rod. If you know the story of what Aaron's rod was, Aaron's rod was the rod that budded. This represents, Adam represented the high priest. He was how the people, the original Israelites, could get to God was through Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. This speaks of first the simple fact that Jesus has done it all. Jesus is the representative. Aaron was the representative of Jesus Christ. So what I want you to see is, I want you to see, and I want to give you three rocks, if you like. All for today, we're going to do three bricks. The first brick that I want you to write down for your point that you find behind the veil is the simple fact that Jesus has done it all. And if you can get this in your spirit... You will stop trying to achieve things in your own strength and your own effort and your own energy. 
and you will step into a place of stability that's found not in your effort and not in your good works, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This will anchor... This will anchor your soul because if you are trying to get stability and feel better about your life because of your own effort and energy, you will live a very tiring, exhausted life. But when you can wake up each day and say, you know what? Jesus Christ and what he paid, the price that he paid on the cross has done it all for me. Then I can, I can live Steady and secure in that. This is what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying that there is a, that there is a level of stability, that there is a level of steadfastness that we can find just simply through knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. I remember years ago I, had, I was living in the office and, and a friend of mine texted me. We were, we were going to hang later at my house, and he texted me, and, and he said, let's get some food, and you know, we'll, we'll hang out. And a couple of friends were, were coming over. So I was finishing work, and, and so they said, go to this. We're going to order food, and you pick up the food on the way. We'll order it, and you pick it up. So it was this burger place, or you would say burger place. Shut up in Orange County that everyone likes. And so they said, you know, go to, we ordered the, the food and go to this place and, and pick them up. And so I go down to this spot and, and I pull up and, and it's like, it's buzzing. Like there's people everywhere and like there's this big line outside the door. And so, so I go up and like I stand in the line. And so I'm standing in the line, you know, and I'm waiting like everyone's there. And, and I'm standing there and it's like, I'm waiting. It's like two minutes and two minutes becomes like five minutes and Five minutes, it's ten minutes, I'm trying to be a Christian, I'm getting impatient and whatever. I'm standing there and, and I'm waiting the line, you know, like just chit-chatting different people and you know, everyone's on their phones and we're just thinking what's going on and it's just busy. And the line's like slowly moving forward, bit like bit by bit. I'm standing in this line for probably 10, 15 minutes and then, and then I'm getting like frustrated. Like I'm thinking, I mean, my God, like how good are these burgers? What's going on back there? In this time I could go find a cow and kill it myself. Like <laughs> I'm standing there and, and as I'm standing there, I look up at the end of the line, right? And there's a counter there and, and then there's this line and then I look above the counter, there's, there's two signs, right? And, and in front of this line there's a sign that says place order here, right? Which wouldn't bother me if beside it there wasn't another sign that said pickups only, right? Now, now, I'm standing in the line that says place order here. There is not a single human being standing in the line that says pickups only, so suddenly I click and I realize, right, you see what's going on. I realize I'm in the wrong line, right? And I've been standing in the wrong line for like 15 minutes. Now I've got to do like the walk of shame in front of all these people that have seen me standing there and I've been talking to. And I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just going to get it. You know, there's no cool way to do it. You're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and so I go, I, go, I go down to the pickup line. And, and the girl's there, and she's standing there. 
And, and I said, oh, I've got to pick up. And so she, she goes to the computer and, she, you know, she's like typing on, on the, on the uh, computer like this. And she's like, what's the name? And I'm like, it's Ben. And she's like, you know when it looks like they're doing so much more work than they need to be doing back there? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, it's Ben. It's, it's, like, it's only three letters. Like, just go B-E-N and see what pops up. Like, it might be me, you know? And she's like doing that and she's like... And then she looks at me and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't have an order for Ben. And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, help me. And I said, can you try again? And, you know, she's like, can you spell it? And I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. Give me patience. I'm like, B-E-N. And then suddenly it clicks and it occurs to me, I didn't place the order. Somebody else placed the order. So the order's not in my name, it's in somebody else's. I gave them the correct name, and of course, my food was there ready, waiting for me. I'll tell you the story because it's such a simple, silly picture of how so many Christians live their life. We live our lives waiting on something that's actually already been done for us. And then we try, we, we then try to get what we want, but we are accessing it through our name, our effort, and our energy, when we need to remind ourselves that somebody else has paid the price for us before we even got here. And what we need to do is actually change our position and actually receive what Jesus has done for us, not in our name, not in our strength, but in his. This is what it is to actually wake up and say, yes, I have insecurities. Yes, there's things I don't know what to do. Yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I will make mistakes to get today. But Jesus Christ is the Savior of my entire life. I belong to Him, and He has equipped me and paid the price for me so that I can live free but also live steady and secure. And when you have this rock, so to speak, that is Jesus in your basket. Look at what happens. All of a sudden, there's a little bit more weight to this. And all of a sudden, what would pull me normally? I don't get swayed as easy as I did. Because when the enemy tries to remind me of my past, which would cause guilt and condemnation and shame, I don't go to guilt and condemnation and shame so quick. Why? Because now... I'm anchored better in Jesus. You know what else? Do you know what else is, is in the Ark of the Covenant? It's the tablets of stone, the tablets of stone. In the Old Testament, the tablets of stone represented the Word of God. God's Word. The second thing that I want you to write down, the second rock that you need in your basket that will steady your soul, is the rock that simply states that God's Word is true. It's, 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 not, it's not rocket science. This is not some deep theological. It's just basic. But I want to tell you, if you can establish a, a fundamental, immovable, unshakable foundation in your life that despite what happens, what you go through, what people do to you, or what you experience, that God's word is true, That'll put some weight to your soul. Do you really, truly believe that God's word is true 
over your life? Or are we so quick to just quote it and tweet it, but we don't believe it? Do you believe it when your situation says something completely different? Do you believe that your steps, that every single step that you take, when you're doing right, living a life covered by the grace of Jesus Christ on the cross, that every single step you take is ordered by God? Even when you find yourself in a crap place that you wish you were not? Can you stand in the middle of what looks like a mess and turmoil and still be able to say, you know what, God's word's true and I don't have to understand it to believe it because I know it in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit that even though where I am feels like it sucks, I know that my steps are ordered by God and God has me here for a reason and for a purpose. I want to tell you this is powerful for your life. Because how many know life can hit us in various different ways at times? Life can turn in a second. And turmoil can come quick. And the enemy can attack every which way in your family, in your finances, in your health, in your thinking. But if you have a foundation that's established on simply believing that God's word is true, that'll keep you anchored. That'll keep you grounded. It won't mean that you won't have bad days. It won't mean that life won't suck still. Life will still suck at times because you know what? Life is life. And people are, guess what? People are people. And sometimes life sucks and you know what? People suck. (laughs) Write that down. (laughs) No, don't. I'll probably get in trouble and I won't say it in the 11 o'clock. But sometimes we need to remind ourselves of these simple things. People are fallen, and sometimes people do sucky things, and we live in a fallen world, and sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we want it. But that's just the nature of living in a fallen world. And a fallen world does not change the fact that God's word is true over my life, and I do not live for this world, but I live for something that's beyond this world. And I can stand true knowing that God's word's true. Do you believe it over your life? Some of you are great at believing God's word over other people's lives, but you're not good at believing it over yours. You believe that you're blessed? When your bank account says you're not. Some of you put more faith in Wells Fargo than you do the word of God. Because you can open your little app. This is what I do. Sometimes, okay, let me not attack you. Let me go for me and I'll be honest. Sometimes I will open that stinking little red app on my phone and I will read the balance on my Wells Fargo account and faith will get sucked out of my life in a second. Huh? Why? Because I'm allowing Wells Fargo to be the anchor in my basket. And Wells Fargo will do nothing for me. 
But if I put the Word of God in there and all I need to do then is open up the Scriptures of those pages and I look at those pages and it declares over my fault that I'm blessed going in and blessed coming out. I'm blessed when I feel it and I'm blessed when I don't. I'm blessed when my bank account says and I'm blessed when it's not. That will keep me steadfast, steady and secure. I know I'm yelling at you at 9am and I'm very sorry. I've had a lot of coffee. But I'm not yelling to hype you. I'm yelling because I believe it. I believe it when I don't feel it. And sometimes I don't feel it. But I love that at the end of the day, I can come back to an anchor in my life that says, you know what? God's word's true. It's true over my kids. It's true over my life. It's true over my finances. It's true over my future. God's word. And look what will happen. You load up God's word over the blood of Jesus in your life. Guess what? Things getting sturdier, isn't it? Now, now you're not yelling at people on the five freeway on the way to work anymore. Now you all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you seem to have more patience with your kids. Now all of a sudden, your spouse is not responsible for every single thing in your life. <laughs> Don't look at him; just look straight ahead. <laughs> Why? Because this is what Paul is talking about. What Paul is talking about. Is this how your life feels? The third thing that we'll find, and I'll start coming to a close in the next couple minutes. The third thing that you find in the tabernacle is Aaron's rod. It's the tablets of stone. And then they had this thing called manna. And if you know the Old Testament, it was a, a season in the life of the Israelites where they needed food. They prayed and they asked the Lord for food and he provided, Scripture says, manna from heaven. Supernatural food it was. And they kept that in, in the Ark of the Covenant. And you know why they keep it in? in the, it was a reminder that God has been good and God has been faithful. You know the third rock you need in your basket? is just simply the fact that you know that God is good. And I know it's not, I know it, sometimes when I say these, these points, I, you know, it feels like, I mean, whatever, Ben, like God is good. You know, we see it on bumper stickers. But, but I, I want to tell you something through the most difficult seasons of my life. It's actually been the simple things that have kept me stable and not the complicated. And I've, I've now been doing this for nearly 20 years full time. And as I've studied and read the theologians and all the commentaries and you know what, I just keep coming back to when it comes to difficult times, Sometimes it's not about what it says in the Greek that keeps me anchored. It's just what the English says. And just the simple fact that 
that I know that God is good. You hear that? Sounds solid to me. Do you know that God is good over your life? It's that, that is actually a really, really difficult question to ask yourself. Because you know why it's difficult? Because all of us here, sitting here, represents some pretty difficult times. And often people question the goodness of God because of the pain that they've experienced. And that, that causes some doubt to come in because we think, if God is good, then why did this happen? That's where we struggle, don't we? I bet, I bet every person in this room that struggles to accept, receive, and believe in the goodness of God struggles of it because of what you've experienced that has not been good. But I want to tell you this the story's not finished. Think, think about the fact that, 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 that you're, you're holding God accountable for a story that he's still writing. And, and I believe and I want to declare over you that those of you that are still living in the pain of things that have happened in your past, just wait. And, and I bet there's people in this room that can testify to it. I bet there's a couple of old wrinkled up faces in this room that could tell you stories about some of the worst moments of their life. And I bet many of them would say it was walking through hell. But you know what? I don't even think I would change it. And it's a crazy thing and I see people looking at me nodding that know what I'm talking about. It's, it's something when you see the goodness of God unfold in your life in such a powerful supernatural way where you look back and the verse that says the enemy meant it for evil but God meant it for good all of a sudden becomes a reality in your life and you look at the worst seasons and the worst times and you say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. Yes, it was painful, but, but I, there's something about it, something in that season. It changed me. It molded me. It made me better. It learned me what it was to trust God. I sense the Holy Spirit more now in my life because of that, and I wouldn't change it. It's weird, but it's just the way it works. This is how good He is. And if you can load up your basket with three simple truths that Jesus has done it all. His word is true. And God's good. You know what? This is what, because I promise you, the enemy's coming tomorrow morning. You can't stop the storms of life. The enemy's coming. 
And he might hit you that way. And he might hit you that way. And you know what? You might even, you might even, you might even have a moment. You might cuss someone out tomorrow morning in your car. And you might have a moment. But you know what? We all have moments. But you can still stay anchored. And the enemy can only get you so far. Because your faith and stability was never found in what your day brings. How futile is that? How surface level is that? What my day brings? No. I want to find it in the truths of his word. You know my little sermon. I actually entitled this sermon, This I Know. You probably should, a better way to preach would be to say your sermon title at the start, wouldn't it, than the end. I'm still figuring this thing out. You know why I call it this I know? Because when I was studying it and I was praying and I was asking Paul that question we talked about. And I said, Paul, what's in the basket, bro? And I started looking at things that Paul wrote. Verses that we know, Philippians 1 and verse 19, Paul says this, For I know, say I know. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance or that this will turn out for my good. Wait, wait, wait. Paul is sitting in prison, a wet, dark, rat-infested prison. And he's saying, I know that this is going to work out good. I'll give you a couple of others. Philippians 1 and verse 25. And being confident, listen to his words, and being confident of this, he says, I know that I shall remain and continue. You see these words repeated and this phrase, I know. Romans 8 and verse 28, we said it before. He says this one collectively. And he says, and we know that all things, say all things. Say it like you really believe it, say all things. Say it like you are in the middle of hell itself, but you are believing that God is going to work this thing for the good. Say all things. He says, and we know that all things work for the good. Interpretation, God uses the crap stuff. That's the Bible according to Ben. And I see this phrase all through Paul's writings, I know. So when I was praying and I was like asking Paul, I know it's weird, but I wasn't praying to Paul, I was praying to Jesus, but you get what I'm saying. I'm like, Paul, what was in the basket? You know what I heard? Paul just said this to me, I heard it in the weird way that I read scripture. He said, I just had a basket full of I knows. You know what I never ever have read once in scripture that Paul wrote? And you can go look at it and look it up yourself. He never said, I feel. 
He never, Paul, Paul didn't sit down in prison and be like, geez, that's a lot of ankle. Sorry, guys. He didn't sit down in prison and be like, look, um, I just feel like uh, maybe things will be okay. Nah. You know why? Because feelings are surface level. Paul doesn't sit in prison and, and, and just get out his notebook and say, you know what, I don't hear any, any of Paul's writings. He never once says, I think. I think maybe this one could go that way or it could go that way. Nah, because Paul wasn't going to load up his basket with I thinks, I feels. Paul knew the only thing that was going to anchor him was not things that he thought and things he felt. It was things that he knew. What do we teach our kids to sing? Jesus loves me. This I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Us. We're weak. We're messing up. We're making mistakes. We're falling short. And how does it finish? But he, he's strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For what? For the what? For the what? Not my feelings tell me so. For the Bible tells me so. So I can get up again and give this life another go tomorrow. Because he loves me. His word tells me. My God's good. Right across this room, I would love all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. As we start to come to a close, I've gone over time. It's such a basic sermon. If you came this morning to hear a deep theological message, then you need to come back next week maybe. But today I just wanted to tell you that Jesus did it for you on the cross. That God's word's true and that God is good. And as you walk through difficult times and challenging situations, for my life, these have been the things that have anchored me. But right across this room, before I close, I want to give people an opportunity if you don't know Jesus. If you're not in a relationship with Him, and you want to be, maybe you've tried to live life on your own, in your own effort, in your own strength. Maybe... Maybe you've never come to church. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you've been coming and it's just been a religious thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what brought you here. 
but I do know that your steps have been ordered by him to be here for this moment. I do believe there's people watching online as well that need to, need to respond to this, to this opportunity now that I'm going to give you. But if you're here in this room and you would say, Ben, I don't know Jesus. I need to get my life right. I need to get my life right. And you want me to pray with you. I would love to do that. If you could do something just where you're seated with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you could just raise one hand just where you are. The signal, yeah, I want to do that. Thank you. Awesome hands all over the building. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I believe there's people online responding as well. You can put your hands down for, for sake of time. I'm not going to get you to come forward because of, of, as I said, time. But what I want to do is I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer, prayer is talking to God. That's what it is. And he, he doesn't care about fancy words. He wants a true and honest heart. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you in the prayer. I'm going to give you the words to say, and I just want you to repeat them after me. Everyone in this room is going to repeat it with you just to make it easier for you. Would you say this with me? Would you say, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I've been trying to do it on my own and it hasn't worked. And I give up. And I surrender to you. And I ask you to come in. I ask you to forgive me to wash me clean and to make me new. Come and be the number one thing in my life. Come and be my Lord and be my Savior. And forgive me for all of my mistakes. Wash me clean. Make me new. I close the door to my past and I open the door to my future with you as my Lord, as my Savior, and as my best friend. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Come on, church, can we give it up? Listen, for those of you that prayed, I'm going to hand over to, uh, to one of the pastors who's going to come and close the service. But for those of you that, that prayed, um, we please don't leave here without talking to somebody. Pastor's going to come and, and talk about the next steps for you but you have to understand that God has called you to a life with Jesus not a Sunday okay so don't leave here without talking to someone getting connected in a group or getting some material that can help grow your walk with him can I pray for you real quickly before I go Lord I thank you for your word I thank you for the power of it God I thank you father for the seed that has gone out I pray Lord that it would land I thank you that it has landed on good hearts I pray covering over. I pray that this week, Lord God, that we would be reminded of what it is to live a life anchored in you. Lord God, that we would be reminded, Lord, of the power of the blood of Jesus, of the truth of your word, and the fact that you are good in our life. I declare a blessing, a covering of every person here. I thank you for them. Lord God, we commit them to you now in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing week.